Well, it's good to be with everybody this morning. And uh, firstly, uh, let me just say uh, a big thank you. I want to say a big thank you to every single one of you for inviting people to Easter. We just had a phenomenal Easter. Good Friday was packed. Uh, every service was just absolutely amazing. And so well done. Well done in inviting people to church. Well done. And so keep, keep inviting people. And that's amazing. Now, this morning, I have to apologize about something. Um, because some of you, you love your sofa. And uh, so here's the deal. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, the company that was doing the sofas was meant to come before Easter so we could have more seats for Easter. And then I was going to tell you we need to put more seats for Easter because uh, we need more seats for Easter. And that couldn't happen. And so I said, let's do it in June. We'll do it in June. Let's just get through to summer, and then we'll do it in June. They showed up this week. They showed up this week from out of state to do the chairs. And so I am so sorry. And let me tell you, you say, well, why do we need more chairs? Let me tell you something, because our services have been getting to like 70% full. And uh, the church gurus will tell you, when your service gets to 70% full, start your next service. And I'm not re- we're not ready to start a third service because we need more volunteers and more people. So I said, well, let's put more seats in because when they get to 70% full, what happens, people get comfortable. And then they say, I don't need to invite people. It's full. And then when there's more seats, we need to invite people because every empty seat is what? Every empty seat is a live. Man, you guys are on it this morning. Wow. Now, let me just say, so this our sofa's in the back there. And if you really love your sofas, we got some left. Um, you really love your sofa. God speaks to you on your sofa. Let's talk. We can work a deal. We can work it. And that sofa can go home with you, and you can do your life journal in that sofa. And uh, God bless you. And so, uh, so uh, just a part of that. But I'm super excited because, you know, one of the visions that we have is uh, we want to start bringing in some Christian artists and it's always hard. They want venues that seat so much. And so there's some, there's some vision behind what we're doing. But thank you for, you know, uh, forgiving me. Amen. Love your pastor. Don't hate him. Amen. 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 I'm going to give you something. After the service, I'm going to give you something, a little something, and, and we'll be all good. Amen. So, hey, just want you to mark your calendars. A couple of announcements I have and a, a, a few things. Uh, May the 7th is Envision. Envision is on May the 7th. Uh, last week, if you were here, you would have heard I announced a uh, uh, young adults pastor hire, Clayton York. And I've had a lot of people saying to me, hey, what's the deal? Who is he? I want to hear the story. I want to hear the vision of what's going on in young adults. Uh, we're going to be sharing that at uh, Envision. Uh, we're also going to be sharing, our next Envision is actually Vision. It's pretty cool. Envision come hear the vision. And so we're going to talk about young adults. In our kids' ministry, I've been having questions in kids' church, just people asking me, hey, I, there's a change and a, you know, a shift. You guys are doing things a little different. And so we're going to be sharing and answering the questions. I've been getting questions. We're going to answer questions on young adults' kids. And then in our worship and creative arts, I'm going to be sharing vision and updates of things as we move into the future and the things that God has for us. And then we're going to be talking just also about some projects that we have, and uh, there's an exciting one in Honduras that I don't want to give away, but we're about to do something amazing in Honduras. So a lot of things are happening. Thank you again for inviting people to church. People need that invitation. Let's keep reaching. What is our, what is our mission statement? Yeah. 
Okay, I'm doing the DNA series in August again. We need to recap. Inviting people to their role in God's story. Man, give yourself a hand. You are awesome. That's amazing. Now, some of you, some of you, I know, uh, you love to go to conferences. You're, uh, and it's okay to be a conference junkie. It's all good. You're like, oh, just give me more word. Uh, this week, here at Mountain Park, we're actually hosting or uh, uh, International Church Planters Conference. There's gonna be about 120, I believe, planters coming from the US and all over the world. These are people that go out and plant churches and they've asked to use our facility. Pastor Robin Wood's a part of it. And so here's what they said to us. They said, the evening sessions are free. Evenings are free. It's at 7 p.m. So yes, some speakers. Thursday night, Pastor Greg Paris from Union Chapel. It's a large church in Indiana. He's going to be speaking on, uh, on Thursday night. And so 7 p.m. 7 p.m. on Friday, Pastor Cal Jernigan from Central is going to be preaching here at 7 p.m. Saturday morning. It's Saturday morning's 1 p.m. There's no Saturday night. Saturday, 1 p.m., Pastor Gary Kinnaman is going to be sharing. Right, yeah, yeah. And so, and then after him, this little guy from South Africa is gonna preach. He might not preach, he might just say, keep going. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it's an opportunity for you to just to come and get some word, come and get some teaching. And it's free Thursday, 7 p.m., Friday, 7 p.m., Saturday at 1 p.m. And these are gonna be just an amazing time to get in the word. And then Sunday morning, uh, it's regular church, but it's also a part of the conference. We did have a pastor coming in who, um, uh, from Philadelphia, uh, his wife just got a, a bad diagnosis. We're praying for her, so he had to pull out. And so I called my friend really quickly, Scott Williams. Scott said, I can be there. Pastor Scott will be here on this coming Sunday. And so, uh, so invite as many people to church. Uh, you know it's gonna be amazing. Now, there is a favor I'm gonna ask you really quick with this conference. Uh, we've been asking, just approaching a few people. We need a couple of host homes. We have church planners coming in. They don't have a lot of money to get hotels. So we're looking for about three to four people that will say, hey, we got an extra room. Uh, we would love to host these pastors. They come in the morning and they're, they're pretty much here all day and then uh, the evening sessions and then they, they need a, really just need a room, place to shower and that. So if, you, if your home's available, you love to host people. Now, if you don't like to host people, don't sign up. Just kidding. If you left to host, <laughs> sign up, and you can do that. The white marble table in the lobby, uh, you can just sign up and say, hey, yeah, yeah, we can help out or give us more information, um, and uh, that would be a blessing. Amen. Okay, enough announcements. Let's get ready for the message today. Today, I want to talk to you about God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. You know, we live in a time right now, I woke up this morning, got my double espresso, and always as I do, before I do my life journal, I always quickly, you know, read, um, you know, read through the news on the great white throne. Some of you will catch that. Some of you got it. And as I opened and looked really quickly, I saw the shooting that happened yesterday and, and last night. It just seems like there's so much chaos in the world. I read about and looked at the, the video at the White Sox game in the stadium, how people for two minutes were fighting and it's just, it's chaos. As I watch that, I'm like, what is going on in this world? People are cray cray, they're losing their minds, everybody's stressed, recessions, 
presidents are doing this, that one, just crazy everywhere. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we, we look at this and go, what's going on? I, I met with someone this week and had, in my office and we were just, someone that comes to our church, we started talking, they said, Pastor, aren't you worried about what's going on in this world right now? I said, yes, but I need you to know the Bible says in the last days, things are gonna get worse. In the last days, men will become lovers of themselves, giving over to all kinds of evil and, and shaping doctrines that fit their beliefs. And we're living in that time right now, my friend. But here's the good news. God's got it. God's got it. God's got it, my friend. You know, there's a big difference. Uh, well, let's look at the word confidence. Confidence. What's the definition in Webster's of confidence? Confidence is a feeling or consciousness of one's power or of reliance on one's circumstances. Faith and belief that one will act in a right, proper, or effective way. The quality or state of being certain. Confidence is so much based on me or you. It's based on us. Our abilities, our resources, our education, our victories, our resume, our wisdom. Confidence is so much based on us. But when I talk about God's got it, I'm talking about a spirit of Godfidence. God's got it. What is the definition for Godfidence? Uh, uh, Keith A. Craft, a leadership transformist and speaker, author, and pastor says this. He defines Godfidence as an assurance of mind and a firm belief in heart in the reality of God and possessing the courage to become completely who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. I like that. An assurance of mind and a firm belief in the heart, in the reality of God, and then possessing the courage to become who he says you are and to do what he says you're called to do. You see, Godfidence is not about you, my friend. Godfidence is all about him. It's all about him. It's a belief in who he is. It's a belief in what he says, we sang that today, great is your faithfulness. Your promises still stand. Yes, those were the words you sang today. Your promises still stand. My confidence is in you that your promises are still yes and amen through Christ Jesus. God's got it. Today, we're gonna look at a well-known story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and it's the story of, of David and Goliath. Now, I remember as a young kid, my, my, my granny, my grandma would read this story to me. Now, I want to tell you, I wasn't the good kid that loved listening to grandma reading the Bible. Grandma would pay me to listen to her read the Bible. <laughs> and so I would sit, she would read, she'd give me a quarter, and I'd be off to the store. But one of the stories I loved that grandma would always read to me was David and Goliath, because you know what? Every young boy loves a hero. Every young boy loves a hero. Now, David was, uh, he had a whole bunch of brothers that were at the battlefield, and Jesse, the dad, says, David, I want you to take some cheese and some goodies to your brothers. Now, you can imagine, here's a, a 12, 13-year-old boy that's going to get sent to the front lines of the battle to go see what's going on. And you can imagine, David's thinking, man, I get to see uncle so-and-so, and he's a warrior. He's just like, you know, just a mighty man. I'm going to get to see that one. I've heard rumors. And, and so you can imagine this young teenage boy so excited to go up to the front lines and see what's, you know, he's not on, right in the battle, but he's just behind seeing what's going on. And King Saul's there. And so David shows up, and as he shows up, 
there's this giant that emerges and the giant begins to shout out and defile Israel, challenge Israel and challenge their God. And, this, and Goliath, this giant, as he, he gets out, he says, hey, here's the deal. You send out your best warrior to fight me. I'll fight them. If I win, you become our slaves. If your warrior wins, we'll become your slaves. And Israel's sitting there, the army of Israel's afraid, and, and, and David begins to hear this. David begins to hear this challenge. You know, how does your giant compare to Goliath? In life, every single one of us are gonna face a Goliath. Every single one of us in seasons, there's gonna be something that comes against us. There's gonna be something that defiles us, something that's gonna bring fear into our life, something that's gonna challenge us. You know, Goliath was mean, he was big, he was, he was, he was a warrior with scars, battle scars, he was feared, he had a reputation. I love this funny picture that I found of David and Goliath a couple of years ago. It's a great, because sometimes that's how you and I feel when Goliath comes our way. A bad report. Sometimes in our marriage, we feel like this Goliath is shouting about, get out of this marriage. What's the use? What's the hope? Sometimes a Goliath can happen with your kid and you know what's going on in your kid's life and you're just fighting this battle to, I just want my kid to come to Jesus. I just want my kid to snap out of this drugs or out of these things. Maybe, maybe at your workplace, there's Goliath you're going on. Maybe there's your auntie so-and-so in your family that keeps reminding you of your past and how bad you are and that you will never change. We all have Goliaths. Maybe there's a bad report, a physical bad report and you're, you're, you're you just got this news and Goliath is shouting at you. See, Goliath was big. In fact, if you look in the Bible uh, and if you study the Bible, Goliath was about six cubits in a span that would be nine feet tall. I mean, I think every NBA team would want that guy. <laughs> Yesterday, I picked a friend up at the airport and uh, these two college players came and they were probably about six, eight, six, nine. You know what? I felt pretty small. You're like, you are. But nine feet tall. What's interesting is in the, if you go study history, the Israelites, the average height of an Israelite in that day and era was five foot three. I would have felt tall. Five foot three. So imagine five foot three is the average height and a nine foot giant is taunting. And so, but listen to this. According to historical search, Goliath's helmet, his helmet weighed 66 pounds. His brass coat weighed roughly 175 pounds. The tip of his spear, not the whole spear, the tip of his spear weighed about 20 pounds. That is one bad dude. <laughs> and it's interesting because in 1 Samuel 17 verse 24, it says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him for they were so afraid. Goliath comes out, David's there, and when they see this man with this 20-pound tip of the spear, this 66-pound thing and 175 coat, I mean, just intimidating warriors stepping forward. Guess what? They all ran. Even David ran. What does that tell me? That fear is something we're all gonna face. Fear is real. But fear does not have to control you. Well, pastor, I'm not afraid. Hey, there's times I'm afraid. 
There's times I'll go through things. There's times I'm worried. But what do I do? I'm not gonna let fear control me. Fear is real. But fear, my friend, does not have to control you. David was afraid. All the men were afraid. But in that moment of fear, as Goliath shouted, something happened in David. Godfidence happened. There was a turning David where David said, God's got this. David begins to ask, what will happen to the man who will fight Goliath? Well, this is what we've heard. The man who will step up and fight Goliath, he will never have to pay taxes again. Some of you are like, I just want to jump up there right now. Take me, send me. Here I am, Lord. Never have to pay taxes. Oh, and, and then secondly, he gets to marry Saul's daughter. Well, stop. So taxes, never again. And I get hooked up to the palace. And David's thinking, and you know what happens is his brothers begin to rebuke him. And they begin to say to him, hey, get out of here. Your motives are wrong. But something in David has switched. Let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. And then David, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and as he approached, and, and, and he approached the Philistine. In verse 41, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he, was, he disdained him for he was a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. You know, sometimes fear will have a voice. Come on, there's some of you, you know what I'm talking about. When you put your head on the pillow at night and those voices are going. There's some of you, when you, you're scared to open up the email, there's some of you that you're waiting for that email to come and that report to come and you're scared, there's fear, there's voices that's going on. There's some of you when you're driving and you're, you're all alone in the car and you try to crank up the music in your car so when you crank up the music, those voices are silenced but when the, music, the car stops, guess what? The voices are still there because fear does have a voice, my friend. But fear doesn't have to control you. Who are you? Am I a dog that you would come to me? You know what fear does? Fear tells you that you can't do it. Fear likes to point out your weaknesses. Fear likes to talk out your failures. Fear likes to call out your lack and inability. David in that moment, yes, he was young. Yes, he was ruddy. If I was David, I would have said, you know, I agree with one thing you said today. I am handsome. <laughs> He's calling him out. You come to me with sticks? What is this, a joke? And you're gonna think that as Goliath is saying all this stuff, it's not just David and Goliath. The Philistine army behind is cheering. Goliath, Goliath, he's the man. If Goliath can't, no one can. I mean, they're all going crazy. They're like, whoa, 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 this is over. I'm gonna get myself a beachside property in Israel. It is on, man. I've already picked my spot. This is game over. They're high-fiving, dancing, having a feast. That little guy's gonna fight. Come on. There's noise and, and this is a battlefield. And what does David say in verse 45? And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you 
in the name of the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give you the dead body, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know, that all the earth may know. Come on, it's not just about you, what you're facing right now. It's that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Someone should have got excited right there. Let me say that again. You gotta catch it. You gotta catch it. So that all the earth. Come on, the storm you're going through right now, the testimony that you're about to get when God gives you the victory, it's not about you, my friend. The testimony is about how awesome your God is and that your friend and your neighbor and your family member and your kid that's away from Jesus can say, you were going down that road, the Goliath was bigger in your life, you were defeated, it was hopeless, it was game over, but you stood on the name of the Lord and God delivered you and God brought you victory that all the earth may know There is a God. Come on, somebody. There is a God. And all this assembly, I like this. And that all this assembly, what is he doing now? He's calling out all of Israel. And all this assembly may know what? The Lord saves not with the sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my, into what? My, nope, into our. Ooh, wow, wow. David didn't say God's gonna give you into my hand. David said, God's gonna give you into our. Come on. Your battle is bigger than you. Your battle is bigger than you. And when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Come on, he's got confidence going now. He believes who God says he is. He's stepping in God's power and his authority, not with a sword, not with a spear. And David put out his hand into a bag, took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell uh, on his face to the ground. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. And when David ran and stood over the Philistine, over the Philistine and took, the, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now, parents, please excuse me, but I want to show a picture of what I believe this looked like. You can put it back up, guys. That was too quick. (laughs) Hang with me. Come on. There's some of you that need to take the head of your Goliath and wave the victory of Jesus. There's some of you, you've got to see yourself. Come on. Goliath, Goliath, God is going to give your head into our hands. God is gonna get me through this. You came against me with fear. You came against me with lies and deception. You came against me with a bad diagnosis. You came against me with hopelessness. You came against me with my sin and my shame. But I come against you in the name of the Lord, who in the Bible, very clearly, Paul says this, I am a new creation, old is gone. Yes, I used to do that, but in Christ Jesus, I have a new life. I'm a child of the most high God. My sins are gone. I walk in his power. I walk by faith and not by sight. God has a destiny for me, a plan for me. Jesus himself said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. His angels are waiting for me to talk and pray. Oh, Pastor Charlton, you, 
you're just a little too excited this morning. No, no, no. I'm trying to tell you something. God's got it. God's got it, my friend. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Yes, fear is real, but fear does not have to control you. It's time for you to tell your Goliath, God's gonna put your head in my hand and I'm gonna stand over you and everybody will see the testimony of the goodness of the Lord, that God doesn't need, a, God doesn't need my abilities, the sword or the spear. God honors his word. He will do what he said he will do. Great is your faithfulness. So let me tell you, uh, how do we... Uh, a God, a God's guarded attitude requires you to do what? I want to give you four things really quick. To, to, to grow a God's guarded attitude, what does it require? If you're taking notes, number one, pick the right battles. Let me say that again. Pick the right battles. Don't stick your nose into everything. Listen to Winston Churchill. You'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. Stop chasing a devil behind every bush. God didn't call you to chase devils, he called you to worship him. I'm gonna say it again. You're trying to chase devils the whole time. Worship Jesus. Begin to pray. Quit getting involved in all different kinds of things. Pick the right battles. What is the battle you call to fight right now? What is the thing? Don't get distracted. Well, I'm gonna fight this one. I'm gonna fight that. No, 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 no. Fight the battle. Fight the battle he has for you. There are gonna be dogs that bark. There are gonna be dogs that bark, my friend. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's why I love, people, why is prayer so important? Jesus taught us how to pray. And what did he say? Your kingdom come. Your will be done, not my will, your will, God. Help me to know it. So number one, pick the right battles. Number two, this is so important. Remind yourself that the battle is the Lord's. <laughs> you, Goliath, fear, intimidator, come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. There's some of you that have to tell you, Goliath, listen, you're coming against me with fear. You're coming against me with deception. You're coming against me with pain or disappointment. You're coming, you're coming against me with lack and, and failure. But let me tell you something. I'm, I'm coming against you in the name of my big brother, Jesus. You see, I, I love that. I'm not showing up to the fight alone. I'm showing up with Jesus because the battle is his. And he's already crushed every enemy and put them under their feet. So guess what, Goliath? Guess what, guess what? fear? You're under his feet. You're gonna be under my feet too. Fear is real, but it doesn't have to control you. In uh, Exodus 17, verse 15, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. And he said, a hand upon the banner of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalekite from generation to generation. The name there that Moses uses is called um, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord Almighty, my banner. What was, what was Moses declaring before that battle? He was literally declaring, I am waving a banner. And this banner that I'm waving is, the Lord Almighty is my victory. 
There's some of you right now, this is why praise and worship in church is so important. Well, why do I raise my hands? Why do I clap? Why do I sing? You know what you're doing? As you're doing that, you're declaring to the world, to the enemy, I am raising a banner over me, Jehovah Nisi. The battle is the Lord's. Paul, Paul said to Timothy, Timothy is leading a, a church and Timothy's a young leader and there's chaos in the church. And you know what, what Paul writes to Timothy? He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. But of what? Power and love and a sound mind. Come on, you have the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christ follower today, I wanna tell you this, you have the Holy Spirit presence of God in you. You are not alone. Walk by faith in that and not by sight, by Goliath. Walk in faith in who is with you. The Bible says he that is in you is greater than he that is in this world, my friend. Jesus is in you. Get some confidence, assurance. He's with me. Number one was Pick the right battles. Number two, remind yourself, battle's the Lord. Number three, I like this one. Celebrate your testimony. Come on. There's just some times where you gotta stop and say, like the old song. Remember some of you Pentecostals that, you know, we've got a lot of Catholics, Baptists, and some crazy Pentecostals in our church. You remember the old song? Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord, he healed my body. He, da, 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 he, da, he just showed up on time. You know, we used to sing that song. Some of you, you're nodding. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, old school, old school. But there's so much power when you begin to look over your life and you look back at how far he brought you. Because when you look back at how far he brought you, you're gonna to begin to go, oh, I remember a time when Goliath showed up in my marriage, and guess what? God gave us victory. I remember the time where I didn't have a job and I thought I was defeated. I had no money in the bank, didn't know how to make it. And guess what? That Goliath was shouting, you're a failure. You're not gonna get out of this. And God opened the door. I remember the testimony, the testimony. I remember the Goliath I have faced in my life. So who is this Goliath? Same God, different situation. Same God. Sometimes you gotta remember where he brought you from. How good he's been to you. And if he's done it before, he'll do it again. He's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again, my friend. But you gotta celebrate your testimony. We, we read this a few weeks ago, and Pastor Scott shared this. Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do some things. A little, no, say it again. A little louder. Through who? You come to me with a spear and a sword. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I can do all things through Christ. And then number four, choose the right weapons. Choose the right weapons. Why stones? Why didn't David, when King Saul said, hey, I'm gonna give you my kingly armor. It's the best armor. It's the best sword, because I'm the king. It's the best, the shield. I'm gonna give you the best. David put it on. But guess what? It was the wrong weapon. It was the wrong weapon. See, the law, let's go look at Leviticus 24, verse 16. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to what? Death. 
All the congregation shall what? Stone him. Not kill him with a sword or a spear. Stone him. The law required that anybody who defiled God be stoned to death. David had to choose the right weapon. It wasn't King Saul's sword or shield. It had to be a stone. The law said a stone had to kill anybody who defiled God. And so that's why David, he, see, in this moment, David had a choice of obedience to God's word. I don't know about you, but yeah, he killed a lion and a bear with a slingshot, but he's facing a nine-foot Goliath champion. But David put his faith in the law into the word of God, and he got stones. He got out five smooth stones. Some people, some theologians will say five stones. Well, five is the number of grace. But he got five stone, one to kill Goliath and four others to kill Goliath's sons because God was gonna wipe out Goliath's legacy. Yes. Some people say, I don't know about that. Maybe he was gonna miss with the first and needed four others. I don't know. When I get to heaven, I'll find out. But I believe that something inside of David said, take five stones. David was obedient. You see, the Bible says this, God's word will not return to him void. It will accomplish the thing it's sent to do. You've got to choose the right weapon. There's some of you today, you're trying to fight your Goliath with your head. You're trying to fight Goliath with your achievements. You're trying to fight Goliath with your goodness. There's only one way to fight Goliath. It's the word of God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, and in January, we're gonna do a whole series on the book of Ephesians next January. I'm really excited about it. But Ephesians chapter six says, we wrestle not against flesh or blood, but against powers and principalities. Pick the right fight, my friend. Quit fighting your teenage son who's struggling with drugs. Get on your knees and fight the spirit of addiction. Come on. Quit fighting your spouse. Fight the spirit that's behind it. Get on your knees. You're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul says the weapons that we have are mighty and powerful for pulling down strongholds. You gotta get the right weapon in your hand. David said, you come to me with those weapons. I come to you in the name of the Lord. That's why we teach about getting the life journal at Mountain Park. Why, why do you want me to do the life journal? Because I want you to learn how to use the sword because Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, the word of God is the only weapon of offense. You see, the devil doesn't care about your opinion. Goliath doesn't care about your words or your opinion, my friend. Goliath cares about this thing, the word of God. 
And so it's time for us when we speak like David to Goliath, when we speak in confidence, God, I'm standing on your word and your promises. God's going to give you into my hand. Why? Because great is his faithfulness. What are you fighting with today? What are you fighting your Goliath with? Some of you are fighting Goliath in the posture of defeat. You're, you're, you're turning to alcohol. You're turning to pornography. You're turning to all kinds of things because Goliath's knocking you down and you just, you, you're not, no, 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 put the right weapon. Put the right weapon in your hand. Pick the right battle. Remind yourself the battle is the Lord's. God, you got it. Remind yourself of your testimonies. He did it before. He's going to do it again. Pick up your sword. As every eye is closed and head is bowed. I want to pray for you this morning. There's some of you in this room, Goliath has made you run. Your Goliath has made you run away from Jesus. You're here this morning. In fact, you, if you're honest with yourself, you don't even know why you came today. You know you're not walking with God. You know you're far from him. Maybe today you just came to make your spouse happy or to make your mom or dad happy. Maybe you just came because that's what you do on Sunday. But the reality is in your life, you're getting crushed right now. Fear is controlling you. Today's the day for you to declare, I come against you, fear, in the name of Jesus. It's God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, love, power, and a sound mind. You feel like giving up. The good news today is I love the story in the Bible, the prodigal son. The prodigal son messed up. He blew all his money, messed up his name, did crazy stuff, lost it. But in the midst of a pig pen, a place of, of mud and stinks and pigs, he realized that his dad was still there. And he says, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you, dad, I've blown up, messed up. Just make me a servant in the house. And the Bible says that every day his dad waited. Just today, the day my son's coming home and as the son's playing in his mind, I've messed up. I've, I've, Lord, I've just blown it. I've done stupid things. And if, every, if people knew what, you know what? The Bible says as he came home, his dad threw his arms around him. He just loved him. He said, welcome home, son. God's not asking you to be perfect. You know why? Because he's perfect. He's perfect, and he's all you need. So his eyes closed and heads are bowed, no one looking around. Today, if you just want to invite him into your life, if today you say, you know, Pastor, I, I need Jesus. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of running in fear and living in fear. I need Jesus today. I need him in my marriage. I need him in my life. I need him. I just need him today. So eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I ask you just to slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Just really quickly. Say, Pastor, pray for me today. I'd love to be honored. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you in the back. i see you, sir. So why raise your hand? Because you're raising your heart. You're saying, in this moment, I'm just going to raise my heart to Jesus. I need him right now. I'm getting ready to tell my Goliath. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Let's give one more second. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. 
Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. See, this is your defining moment. No more running. I'm not running anymore. I'm not running away anymore. Goliath, God's gonna put your head in my hand. Thank you, I see your two hands. Thank you. Beautiful. God's just touching. God's just doing what only he can do. God's doing his ministry. I see you upstairs. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. God's just doing what only he does. This is God's time right now. We're not gonna rush it. Beautiful. I'm going to ask all of us to pray. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence that is here. Forgive me of my sins. Wash my life clean. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. And I declare today that I'm a child of God. That you are for me, God. Jesus, you are for me. And if you are for me, what or who can be against me? I tell my Goliath that I come against you in the name of the Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for my breakthrough, for my victory, for you turning my situation around. God, you got it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give them a hand this morning?